BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What up? It's the Crossover Pod Friday edition. I'm Howard Beck, senior writer for Sports Illustrated. My guest today, so thrilled to have him on. One of my good friends, one of the best in the business, David Aldridge. DA, of course, uh, a long and storied career at ESPN, Washington Post. Turner Sports, currently, of course, at The Athletic. DA had a great piece there this week on the concept of a LeBron James trade. We are not there yet, of course. He can't be traded during the season, but it could happen in the offseason. It is a storyline that is, let's just say, lurking because of the way the Lakers season has gone. Not an unreasonable discussion. DA dove deep, went through all 30 teams. What could possibly happen in the offseason if we get to that point? How likely is it? It's a fun discussion. And as I say, I think it's a relevant discussion because I do not think it's far-fetched at all to think that that's where the world might be when we get to uh, April, May, June. We'll see. So we discussed that a little bit. We also worked our way through our all-star ballots. The starting uh, five, those ballots are due from fans and media alike Saturday night. And so we worked our way through that. We have many thoughts on uh, on those choices, some difficult ones. And then we, of course, discussed the Wizards. DA, of course, based in uh, Washington, D.C., 
covered the Bullets early in his career and uh, very close to that organization, knows the Wizards better than anyone. Want to just discuss a little bit of the Wizards and Bradley Beal relationship. It's one of the most enduring and frankly strangest marriages of a team and star in today's NBA. Always feels like they'd be better off parting ways, and yet here they are. So wanted to do, uh, get DA's thoughts on that and whether they might finally be reaching a breaking point. Um, short answer, probably not. Uh, before we get to that, a quick reminder, please rate, review, and subscribe to The Crossover wherever you get your podcasts. Hit me with all your feedback on Twitter, at Howard Beck. Okay, my conversation with David Aldridge is coming up next, so stick around. This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and Howard Back. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship. Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are, Chris Mannix and Howard Back. Now, very pleased to be joined by my friend and the Hall of Famer, Say that too often. The Hall of Famer, David Aldridge. <laughs> DA, how are you, sir? I'm good, Howard. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Doing well. Uh, you, of course, a winner of the uh, Kurt Gowdy Award. So we get to call our fellow journalists who get the Gowdy Award Hall of Famers, even though I think technically it's not inducted in, but you're That's mentioned right. in. It's Hall of right. Fame uh, related. It's Hall of Fame adjacent. It's Hall of Fame blessed. Something like that. There is something in Springfield with my name on it. That's all I care about. <laughs> <laughs> right and take and, it whatever and, it is right so. it's really damn cool so you yes exactly you just you take it uh i gotta get that they've 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 renovated like a, a massive massive renovation of the hall and yeah. i've not been up there since they unveiled um the new version i gotta get up there at some point it's really they did a really good job it's quite impressive i mean you know jerry colangelo um knows how to raise money he's <laughs> really good at it so um, yeah they put they put tens of millions of dollars into it and and really i think brought it up to par now i've never been to the football hall of fame which everybody says is fantastic but i have been to the baseball one and it's it's everything you would expect the baseball hall of fame to be and i think the the basketball hall of fame is now on the same kind of trajectory as the baseball yeah i gotta get up there that's not that long of a drive from new york it's a few hours yeah. to uh, springfield but um you know not the kind of place you're going ordinarily otherwise like all, right. these, all these halls of fame the canton and springfield and cooper's like i don't know that these are places anybody goes except to the, go to the hall of fame no disrespect I, to those yeah, towns but they're, they're kind of remote there's not a lot to cooperstown other than baseball <laughs> hall of fame. you know all due respect to cooperstown <laughs> springfield i will say springfield at least has the dr seuss park which when my daughter was younger was a really cool thing to go visit there you there go. Was this park with all these dr seuss uh figures in it and everything because that's yeah. also uh seuss town um i guess <laughs> exactly uh, anyway uh i was actually Apologies for not, you know, dropping in on you out of the blue. I was down your way in, in D.C. a couple of days ago. I did visit the White House for the Warriors oh, coronation. Okay. First time I've ever done that, if you can believe it, after all these years. I never actually got there when the Lakers went when I was covering them. Um, so I was working on something that that was uh, related. So I was I was down there for that was in, in your town. Do you have a memorable um, White House visit over the years or particular team that that got their you know their moment yeah. with the president any of those stand out i will say this from my own experience having done, now done this for the first time 
It's way more packed and chaotic than I ever imagined. You see the footage and you always think it looks like they're in some cozy little room. It's an intimate little event with like the team and maybe a few other people from, you know, their families or something in the present, the vice president, whatever. Like it was a massive, massive room with, I don't know how many thousand people in it, but um, wow, it was a little overwhelming. Yeah, no, I've done two two NBA teams. I did the Warriors first one in 15 and did the Bucks last year. Um the Bucks the Bucks were outside because of COVID. Um uh, but it was still really cool. I mean, you know, it's in the South Lawn of the White House. I mean, in the, you're on the ellipse basically and yeah. it was and it was a nice day, so fortunately it was, the weather was not an issue. Um and then I did the Obama's last year. He did his Congressional Medal of Honor um, ceremony and or Presidential Medal of Freedom, I guess it is. I think I'm sure if I got that incorrect, I think Presidential Medal of Freedom. And the the sports tie was that Kareem got one and Michael Jordan got one. So there was a reason to go. Yeah. Um, but they basically just said to hell with it. We're giving everybody a Presidential Medal of Freedom. So it was Tom Hanks, Robert De Niro, Ellen DeGeneres, um, uh, the lady who, who on whom the Hidden Figures movie was based. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, just just everybody that you could think of got one. That so it was like it took like two hours to give out all the medals, <laughs> but it was great because you just you're in a room with all these yeah. celebrities and stuff, and and of course neither of the basketball players talked to us afterwards. But Robert De Niro did. So that was a pretty cool afternoon, you know? So that's a good payoff. I'll take that. And Tom Hanks did too. So that was a pretty cool day, you know? That is pretty cool. It was was fun to be down there. It was really interesting. I had never, I don't think I've even done the public tour of the White House before. So uh, being in there, also they they held us while we were waiting for, for, you know, it's obviously you go there very early and you're now waiting for all this stuff to go. There's no holding place for all of us, like scrubby sports writers coming in. So we're just in- the, the White room. House, the, the press room, the briefing yeah. room. Yeah. And like, yeah. so that was kind of cool until all of a sudden, oh no, there's a briefing happening. And suddenly the real White House reporters are coming and going, guys, get out of our seats. Yeah, get out of our, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was exactly. a little awkward. They're very territorial uh, about their seats. I, listen, <laughs> listen, if they came into uh, the media room at Barclays Center or right. at whatever the heck they're calling the arena in Washington now, Verizon, yeah, M- Capital MCI, One, something. Capital One Arena. Capital One. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'd kick them out of our seats too, for sure. I would so. kick uh, John King out of my seat, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool. It was really neat to be there. I was glad I got a chance to do that finally. So yeah. Um, so I want to talk about, so All-Star, the, the third returns, the th- final returns that we get to see before the actual results of the All-Star voting just came out. We'll get to that in a minute. I want to talk about our ballots because you and I uh, are both voters yeah. on the media panel and we have yeah. until Saturday night. Yes, um, and I haven't done mine yet, so I'm well, you're going to have to possible well, second. <laughs> you're going to have to on on the fly here on this podcast. Um, <laughs> we can discuss a little bit. I won't make mine final until then, anyway. I'm always one of like the the, the last people filing anyway, yeah. just to make make Mark Broussard sweat um, <laughs> at the league office. But um, but before we get to that, I wanted to jump on the on, on this first and a, a pseudo apologies to the people who sometimes complain if you can believe that, that maybe we discussed the Lakers and LeBron too much. I'm sorry, people, but we're going to do it again for a few minutes here. Because, sure. uh, DA, you had a really fun column this week on the premise that, well, LeBron can't be traded now right, for contractual CBA stuff reasons, but he could this summer. Yes. And it's not unreasonable to think that this is a discussion we may be having 
in a few months. And so you got a little ahead of the curve. You went through all 30 teams. You eliminated a bunch for various reasons uh, that were all very sound. And you came up with a list of six teams that if, in fact, it becomes time for the Lakers to trade LeBron, if they decide it, they won't do that. It'll only be if LeBron demands it. We know this. Sure, right. And I listen, before we get to your six teams and a little quick discussion about this, I just want to say, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you wrote the column, so I'm guessing you would not disagree with me on this. This is not an unreasonable discussion. I know that we thought LeBron was going to LA for the rest of his career. I know right. there's a bunch of reasons why he picked there. I know there's a bunch of reasons to think that he will stick th- through thick and thin. Yeah. And I know that at the midpoint of this season, it feels premature to have this discussion. But folks, we we're talking about the guy who pioneered superstar mobility, superstar right. empowerment, has changed teams. Every time he's done it, it's been when he thought his team had maxed out. The Heat... Yeah. Like the Cavs had had maxed out the first time he goes to Miami. Four years in Miami, they had hit a wall. He goes back to Cleveland. Cleveland was falling off a cliff. He left Cleveland. This is the pattern. I don't think we should assume just because he's 38 and in year 20 and likes living in L.A. and his family likes it, that suddenly he's going to let a team off the hook and say, eh, it's fine that the roster's kind of like slap, you know, slipshod, slap, I don't even know what I want. Slipshod. Slipshod. Slapshot. Um like this is the guy who, when things don't look good and he thinks that you have um, done him maybe a disservice in terms of his supporting cast, says, OK, that's fine. I'm out. Now, he won't be a free agent. He'd have to demand a trade. But if you if yeah. LeBron demands a trade, he's getting a trade. So sure. we're not out on a limb is what I'm saying. You're not on a limb in writing this call. This is a plausible discussion. Right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's the only reason I wrote the column. Right. Because it because of what LeBron says. On a regular basis. You know, what he said in December, hey, me and Tom Brady, we're only competing for championships. I'm not here to just bleep around. I don't know if I can say the F word on your show. Oh, you please, please do. We don't, I'm not here to fuck around, is what he said. (laughs) He told, he told our guys, right? I'm, I want to compete for championships. He told, um, Lee Jenkins famously in 2016, when Lee was still at Sports Illustrated, that he's chasing a ghost, right? Chasing Michael Jordan. He's chasing six. That's what he wants. He wants six rings like Michael Jordan got. Well, he's got four and he's 38 years old. So I don't know how many more shots at this he's going to get on a realistic basis. Now you can, you can squint and and pretend like the Lakers are a legit title contender this year. I don't see it. You know, like I saw that, watch that game last night and all due respect to the guys he was on the floor with, those are not guys that you're going to win an NBA title with. I'm sorry. They're just not, yeah. you know, um, until Anthony Davis comes back at least, and maybe he's going to be back soon. But um, and, and LeBron knows that better than anybody, you know? So, so it is not, you're correct. It is not, this is not clickbait. This is a guy who's obsessed with winning championships is getting real close to the end of his career. And the team he's on right now, isn't good enough to win a championship, I don't think. And I don't know how they get good enough to win a championship, you know? So that's the that's the dilemma. And yeah. so, yes, he went to L.A. to kind of kickstart his burgeoning, you know, media colossus career after retirement with his entertainment company and his production company and all of those things. And, and he needs wanted to be out in L.A. to make those things kind of go a little easier and smoother. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I get it. 
I know he liked wanted to be out in Southern California. Every, every what NBA player doesn't want to be in Southern California? They all have houses out there, you know. So um, I get it. Um, and and his kid Bronny plays it a half hour away. Um, so at, at a really great elite school, right? So, um, but as you mentioned, this guy's got a history of knowing when it's time to leave. <laughs> And leaving. <laughs> so, you know, um, I think he is forever. I don't want scarred's not the right word. I think he's forever informed by the fact that he spent seven years in Cleveland trying to win a championship with a substandard team, yeah. with a team that wasn't good enough. I ask people all the time, Howard, who was the second best player LeBron played with in his first seven years in the NBA? It's probably Zadrunas Elgaskis, who was that's a the answer, who yeah. was a pretty good center. But nobody's putting him in the Hall of Fame, and that's not a that's not a slap at him. It's just a, a realistic evaluation of who he was as a player. So, yeah, I think LeBron is always hunting, you know. Yeah. And so that's that was the spirit in which I wrote the column. And look, LeBron did re up there, and we don't need to get into the whole thing right now about what they could do, what they should trade, whether they should trade the picks, all that stuff. We have discussed it on this podcast enough. Yeah. But LeBron did sign that extension, as I understand it, with assurances that they were going to do everything possible to fix the roster. And by fix, right. I mean remedy the stuff that was apparently, that was obviously wrong the yeah. prior season when they missed the playoffs, right? right. And they never, right. they never did it. And, and it's kind of even on the record too, right? Like I say, I've been, as I understand it, Rob Polinka even said publicly um, last fall, like, and we're going to, we, we, we have a, a, an obligation to do everything for him and make sure, but they didn't change the roster at all. Not in no. any significant way. The most significant change they made was that head coach and coaching wasn't really the problem. Right. Um, well, so, it was a problem, but it wasn't the problem. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it, it wasn't yeah. It, it wasn't the reason they missed the playoffs right. entirely. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, the coach they had got them to, to the championship a couple of years That's ago. Right. So, That's right. Right. Um, so they haven't done anything. We've got a few weeks before the trade deadline. They may still do something. But if, if they don't make a move between now and the trade deadline, and this is just the roster, there's every possibility that they miss the playoffs again. Like, I, I would be more likely to believe than not that LeBron ends up wanting out. Now, it may be a difficult decision to come to, but at this stage of his career, even if it means like leaving his family in LA for a couple of years while he goes and pursues yeah. you know, titles somewhere else, he's close enough to the end. Like he could probably justify, well, you know what? Not the ideal, but I, I can't I can't squander any more seasons while I'm playing at this level. And that's the, the thing. He's The guy's playing at an all-NBA level, at a, a damn near MVP level. Yes. Um, if he believes that they're squandering that, as and I have written it that way, I believe they are. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine him not wanting to go somewhere. So you, uh, you did narrow it down to six teams, right? Uh, in, in alphabetical order, as you put it, uh, Atlanta, Brooklyn, Chicago, New Orleans, right. Philly, Phoenix. I, I, I think that that's. Like I, I followed all the logic through and I generally agree with you and I agree with the reasons, although I think I would eliminate New Orleans on the basis that they're they are or should be scarred by the Anthony Davis trade in which yeah, they got right. their clocks cleaned on on that deal. They should be very wary. It's like dealing with Danny Ainge. Don't make a trade with Danny Ainge. And in this case, the, the Lakers should not make any more trades with with New Orleans because uh, they got everything extracted from them on the Anthony right. Davis deal. And I think I'd eliminate Phoenix on the basis that LeBron would want to play with Chris Paul, but Chris Paul is now looking like he's not Chris Paul anymore. 
Mm-hmm. And if you do it the other way, you're not going to acquire Chris Paul. Like, I don't know who they're getting. Like, whatever's left there might not be. In- so I, I might actually narrow it down to just the four of the Hawks, Nets, Bulls, and Sixers. Mm-hmm. I think I would re-add. You knocked out the Heat. I think I'd put the Heat in there. I think I think Riley can get over it. Riley just wants to win. Riley's up there in years mm-hmm. and, you know, would I'm sure love to make another run. They could buy, let bygones be bygones. And then I have one other thought, which is, I would do whatever I could to involve Oklahoma City in, a, in this deal in some way as a three-team deal, four-team deal. Whatever. I want to get some of those picks. I, like The Thunder are going to be ready to, to turn the corner this summer, I think, and yeah. be adding guys. If you can trade LeBron, involve the Thunder, and whatever you're getting back also include because the Lakers are down picks, as we know, because of the Anthony Davis trade. Right. Um, so that was my other thought. Um, any of those that you think were like – the most likely if, if we make, if we, if we flash forward and LeBron has said, all right, I'm out. Yeah. All right, quick. Let's everybody refer to, to DA's list. Where are we going? Um, <laughs> where's, where's the most likely of the ones that you, I mean, I think of the six and I, I'll, I'll explain new Orleans. As I wrote, the, the reasoning is, is not necessarily because they need him as a player um, because they're pretty loaded. Right. And Zion's yes. playing great right now and he's healthy and in shape and all those things. But there are other reasons off the court that I think are compelling. They need a new building, like desperately. Like they need a new arena. Um, and I don't, like I, like I wrote, I don't know anything about Louisiana politics, local or state. So I don't know how amenable they would be to putting public money towards a new building down there. My educated guess is that they'd be a little bit more and perhaps a lot more amenable if they knew LeBron James was going to be there for two years. <laughs> um, and, you know, and they might be more willing to pony up um, and help the help the uh, Pelicans out, knowing that when LeBron leaves, whether it's through retirement or just wanting to go play somewhere else, play with his son, wherever that is, maybe you still have Zion Williamson for a, a decade down there. So there would be reasons for that. Um I, I went back and forth on Miami. Um, I agree with you. Miami, as I Again, as I wrote, Miami is always in championship mode. They always want to win titles down there. They'll do anything to win a title. Um, I just think there are reasons, which I did not get into, that would mm. make that difficult, which would make a reunion difficult in Miami um, that are on both sides, both for the Heat and LeBron. <laughs> so, um I just wonder if that's something that they would really do. And especially if it meant giving up core pieces of their, of their team. Like if you're going to make a trade, the Lakers are going to not do anything unless you say the words, bam, out of bio, right? There's not, there's no point in doing it otherwise. Right. And so I doubt that, I just don't think Miami would do that. Even to bring LeBron back, I just, to play him and Jimmy Butler and uh, in a really, you know, rapidly aging Kyle Lowry. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know yeah. that that gets you where you want to go. So, um, so I, I just think it's kind of hard to do that trade if you really look at Miami's roster. So, um, but of the six that I mentioned, I mean, I always think uh, Daryl Moore is always in every trade. He always will be in every trade. If he, if he thinks it improves his chances of winning at all. Yeah. They certainly have pieces that they could trade to bring LeBron in to play with Harden and with MB, They would not trade either Harden or MB to make the trade happen. Um, but those three together would be pretty doggone good. Um, so you could, um, you could see that. Um, so that one, I think Chicago would make some sense because they're not really 
I think where they thought they would be this year, um, it's not really working for whatever reason. There's a lot of different reasons. Um, and again, they have they have a logical piece uh, in DeMar DeRozan, who's from Compton, who loves L.A., wanted to go back to the Lakers two years ago yeah. um, and couldn't make it, ha- just couldn't make the numbers work. Um, and that's a that's a logical piece, along with Alex Caruso, um, who the Lakers inexplicably left let leave two years ago. Yes. Um, so those are so those two would make to make make the most sense to me. But there were other te- those other well, it was five, four other, three other teams because I eliminated Brooklyn. I couldn't think of one. Couldn't come up with a deal that made sense. Yeah, because yeah. they're not. Why would the Lakers trade for? Why would they trade? assets for Kyrie Irving when there's every chance Kyrie Irving's just going to go there and sign this offseason. So, you know, like I, I just don't know that that would, that doesn't make any sense to me. And I tried to be logical in these trade ideas. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you, what we, you can reorder your chain of events, right? Where you, you could sign Kyrie into cap room, then go over the cap and then use LeBron's contract to make a second deal to make a deal with the Nets. Right. Like, you could, but for what is what I'm saying? Yeah, I know, like, yeah. What is, what's yeah, exactly. What's there's what's nothing left? they have. They're not trading you Durant, so no. I mean, and, so. and you and you don't want Ben Simmons, probably. Right, that's so, the whole point. I don't want yeah. Ben Simmons. So yeah, if if Kyrie were on a multi-year deal and it were yeah, right. LeBron for Kyrie, and then you're pairing Kyrie with Anthony Davis. Um, fun fun little side note. There was a time when the net when the um when the Celtics had Kyrie. That was their whole thing. The word was that Kyrie and Anthony Davis at that time wanted to play together, and the Celtics yeah. thought they were in the driver's seat because of that. But we had whatever was the Derrick Rose rule, whichever of the rules that was keeping them from making the in-season trade for Anthony yeah. Davis, which meant yeah. that it had to go to the off-season, which meant that the Celtics, or, or excuse me, the Celtics would have had to wait to the off-season. They couldn't pull it off. Um, history might be much different if there is no... Derek Rose rule. You know, right. Who knows? The Celtics might've made that deal for AD uh, at the time that the Lakers wanted to. Yeah. Um, I think the most, I was trying to think of like, what's the most fun Le- uh, LeBron trade scenario, not necessarily the pieces, but just where, I, where would I want him to land? Mm-hmm. There's always a sentimental aspect of back to Cleveland and they're certainly, you know, in a position to win and they've got pieces they could deal, but they might also feel like, you know what, we're, we're we may be contenders for the next five years without any deal for exactly. LeBron or any, any more homecomings. The Warriors are kind of a fun one because, you know, things are getting a little bit wobbly with the dynasty. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the deal is there exactly. And I like the idea of LeBron and Luka on some level, but the Mavericks just don't have anything to trade. You don't have any pieces. Yeah. Yeah. So even when you start thinking like, well, where do we want to send them? Even if we could just, you know, make the the most entertaining scenario, but it's, it's, it's tough. Um, Finding the right pieces you know the deals that can work under the under the CBA, all that stuff. That's where it yeah. gets obviously very tricky. Yeah, I don't. I just that's why I kind of you know went through it. I really wanted to go. I spent a lot of time on this. I did not. This didn't come. Didn't slap this together. I really thought about this for a few days. <laughs> I'm sure. You know, and you know, like I thought about you know, well, Toronto always is willing to go all in. We know Masai Ujiri was willing to you know, make a trade for a guy he knew was going to walk after a year in Kawhi Leonard, but they got a, they got a ring out of it and he would do it again, I'm sure. And they certainly have pieces, but, you know, again, would LeBron say, yes, I'll go play in Toronto for the rest of my career. I just couldn't see it. You know, like there's just things, you know, about LeBron, like, yeah. like, you know, that you just couldn't do it. And to your point about Cleveland, I just kind of get the sense that the Cavaliers, whether it's, whether it's just Kobe Altman or if it's Kobe Altman and Dan Gilbert, the Cavaliers have no interest in doing this again with LeBron. 
They want to do something without LeBron. I think that is very much a part of that team's kind of fiber right now is to prove that they can build a contending team without having to attach themselves to LeBron James. Um, I just think that's a real feeling in that organization that they want to show people they can do it without them. Um, so yeah, I mean, they could certainly put a trade together that would be, make sense and, and give the Lakers some real good young pieces and make, keep enough in Cleveland that they could take a real run at it. But I just don't think they want to, you know, so that's why I kind of eliminated them and for different reasons, but for the same premise, that's why I eliminated Memphis because (laughs) Memphis is locked and loaded right now. Like they, they want to see how far this group can go before they start thinking about you know, making big trades. Yeah. I just, I, I will not, nobody should take it for granted. The possibility that we are having this discussion in earnest in a few months. That's, that's the one yeah. thing I think the takeaway here is, you know, yeah. um, LeBron's not going to want to miss the playoffs again. He's not going to want to feel like it's another hopeless. And I know like they'll have some flexibility this summer. Russell come off the books. They'll have cap room. Yeah. I don't, you know, unlo- but unless they can show him the framework, like the blueprint, like, Okay, we're going to use the cap room to do X, Y, Z, and we don't worry. We've already tampered, so we know who's coming. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We've, we've got these assurances, but unless you have those assurances, I right. don't know that they've built up enough equity as a front office to assure anybody. Like right. I, I, I do not think they've done a very good job during the LeBron years, the championship and the AD trade notwithstanding. And again, I've, I've said many times, I think they got their clock cleaned on the AD trade, and it's hurting them now because they have fewer pieces to work with. Yeah, but. You you can't you you can't asterisk a championship or say well aside from that it's a it, it stands it's a big thing the championship yeah well, it matters they won, they but, won. yes <laughs> but almost every other decision they've made since then and, right. and even the one that got them there are have been problematic to say the least and they're in a bad spot and so I don't if I'm LeBron I don't know how much faith I have in them to to fix this thing in the off season so well yeah I mean that's fair but LeBron's got to own some of this too I mean he's for the one sure. that pushed push for the Westbrook deal. Now for let's sure. be honest. My, like he's the one that said, go get Westbrook and they got him for him. So he's got to own that. My, now, my answer to that is always, uh, you know, you don't have to do it just because he said, no, to, you to don't, do it, you know? which is why I've always maintained that Jerry Krause is, is one of the greatest executives of all time because he's the guy that told Michael Jordan. No, yeah, no, we're not bringing Walter Davis in here. We're not doing that. You know, like, so, um, and Pat Riley not, told so LeBron. No. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so if, if they know Kyrie's coming, which I don't think is an unreasonable thing to posit, um, then I think he will probably stay there. But until, unless and until that actually happens, I think this is still a justifiable thing to talk about. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk a little All-Star, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. Just before you, this will uh, publish Friday, but uh, we are recording on Thursday and we got on just as the NBA released the latest returns. Um, As of right now, the fans have voted in the Western Conference front court. LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis are the top three. Mm-hmm. The guards are Steph Curry and Luka. In the East, the fans have voted for the leaders are Giannis, Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum. Guards, Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell. And of course, there's still a week of voting left as we record this. And of course, the fan vote is only 50% of the yeah. total. Yeah. DA, you and I are part of a media panel that will be account for 25%. The players and their very, very, very strange ballots will account for the other 25%. It's always an adventure seeing it's what the players so do with their votes. Just, it angers me every year. I get this angers me more than anything else, Howard, is the player <laughs> votes because they're the ones that say we don't know what we're talking about and we never play and blah, 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 blah. And then they vote for, they just, 
completely don't take it seriously at all when they actually yeah. have a vote for yes. something that's important to them. Yeah. You know, so anyway, <laughs> kind of undermines their critique of us a tad. Exactly. Uh, I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm with you. Um, so our ballots are due 11:59 uh, p.m. Eastern on Saturday. <laughs> right. You, you and I will be scrambling to get to get them out there. Yes. Um, yes. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to say where I think I'm at right now mm -hmm. versus like I'm giving myself a little bit of wiggle room, but I think this is where I'm going. Yeah. Western Conference, the following are absolute locks. I have no doubt about this. LeBron is on my ballot, no question, in the front court. Yep. Jokic is on my ballot in the front court, no question. Yep. Put a, put a bookmark on the third front court spot for a minute. The right. back court, Luka is a lock. And I'm leaning, leaning, leaning very hard towards Steph Curry over John Morant, despite the games missed, but we can discuss. Yeah. So that, that, that's four of the five. It's that third front court spot in the West that is troubling me right now. And I believe it is the people's choice, the fan choice, which is Zion as of right now, versus sure. Lowry Markinen versus, oh, excuse me, the fans have Anthony Davis there. Fans have yeah. Anthony Davis there. Zion is, I think, right behind him. Yes. So Anthony Davis is the placeholder. He's hurt right now. He's missed a ton of games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who knows if he'll be available anyway. But on my ballot right now with Anthony Davis off the board because of too many games missed, to me it's Zion, also has a games missed issue, versus yes. Markinen versus Sabonis. Where's your, yeah. where's your head at on that one? Um, you know, I, I would agree with you on, um, I don't think I can put Anthony Davis on the ballot just because he has been out so much. Um, I would put Zion on there, but he's also missed a ton yeah. of games. I say a ton. He's missed some games um, of late, especially. So it's, uh, you know, I I always, Howard, when I do these, and I don't do them all the time, you know, they, 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 the league rotates, I think, voting. So you vote some years and some years you don't. That's okay. Um, but I always tend to value playing like i think you have to actually play in games to be considered for awards like i don't know how you can vote somebody for an all nba award when they've played 43 games in the season like that doesn't work for me like you part of being great is showing up every night you know so um so yeah i i get the marketing argument and i would certainly Plan. I certainly do plan on making him a reserve on my ballot. You know, um, if if that's if I'm a, if I'm asked to do that, um, he would be on there. But I, would I put him ahead of Zion? I don't know that I would. I think Zion. I would. I would probably put Zion in just by the slimmest of margins over Markinen, who's having a great year. Great year for Utah. Yes. Um, now, in terms of the guards, I again, I think, you know, Jaws missed some games too, which kind of hurts him vis-a-vis -vis Steph. So um, I just don't know how you can have an all-star game and not have Steph Curry starting. That just seems yeah. insane to me. Like, you know, at the end of the day, this is a game for the fans. And I have no problem by, with that, by the way. It's their game. It's an all-star game. They want to see their, play, their favorite players play. Fine with me. Um, so... I don't know how you could not vote Steph in. He's having an incredible season. Again, he has missed some games, um, but he's back and he's playing. And so that's why I would have him and Luca as my starters probably. Yeah. Um, so I, I I was looking at this. Actually, a, a curiosity on this, because you, you mentioned this, DA. It's the fans game. It's the all-star game. And in the past, of course, the fans were the 100% of the vote. They just decided the starters on their own. And then the coaches picked the reserves and we weren't even involved. We yeah. got involved by by the league's 
uh, decision because some stuff was going a little weird with the fan voting. And in this day and age of the internet and things, you know, being um, sometimes uh, hijacked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so they've tried to balance it out. So what I've thought about is this though, do we have any obligation in our own process? We are only 25%. So it's not determinative and, and you know, who knows how this will come out in the end. Should we consider who the fans want to see most? Because I look at it, the fans have chosen Anthony Davis as of the vote right now. Obviously, Laker fans are ballot stuffing very uh, vigorously, much more so than other other fan bases. But Zion, so let's assume Anthony Davis is off the board because of of the injury. Zion's the guy that fans would most want to see in the game, assuming he's healthy. So do we owe it to the fans as the media, even though we are an independent voting block in this? Should we say, you know what? Whether it's Steph over Morant, um, granted, Jaws awesome in an awesome, in an All Star game sure. too. But like, but Zion is clearly the most entertaining choice at that last forward spot. Right. Should we think about the fans when we're voting? I think you. I think you think about it. I don't know that you have to decide based on it, but I think it goes into the mix, right? It goes into the pot, yeah. you know, along with. And again, I'm a dinosaur. I get it. I do think winning sort of matters here. Like, you know, like I do, I do think you have to have had some impact on winning. It doesn't mean you have to have the best record in the league, but I do think you have, your team has to be doing something good for you to be a starter in the all-star game. You know, I just, I don't know. Um, So um, yeah, I mean, you, you factor it in, um, but you also have to weigh the player. Right. And so is Steph, Playing great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. But and Jaws playing great too. So, you know, you're going back and forth. And then you think, well, you know, the fans love Steph and they want to see Steph. And they obviously have given him, you know, three and a, more than three million more votes than John Morant's getting. And, you know, I get it. People ballot stuff and it's kind of skewed and all that. But I mean, you do have to kind of weigh that. I mean, you can. You know, you can make that small market argument all you want, but Giannis is the leading vote getter in the East. Last time I checked, he's in a smaller market in Milwaukee. So that doesn't really seem to hold a lot of water. So people vote for who they want to see in the game. It seems the ballots have been funny in that way, DA, because like to the market issue, right? Like the Knicks, like Julius Randle is ninth among front court players. And Um, not close to the top four or five, you know? No. And the Knicks are obviously a huge market and they're having a pretty good season and their fans obviously are as passionate as you can get. And the top guard among the Knicks is not even Jalen Brunson. It's Derrick Rose. And granted, that may be Chicagoans also voting for Derrick Rose out of sentimentality, but he's ninth in the guard voting and and Jalen Brunson doesn't even show up. So it's like it's kind of weird. And then um, Boston, you know, a a largish market. Um, Jalen Brown is still lagging a, a, a distant third among the guards, we'll get to the East in a second, but it's just, it's, it's interesting to see um, that the voting patterns don't necessarily hold to what we would expect based on, yeah. you know, fan passions or, or market size. I will just note real quick on, on the games played in minutes, the gap between Curry and Ja is not as big as you would think. Like Curry has played 30 out of 44 games as we record this. Right, right. Ja's got 37. So seven games is, a, is, a, is a, a fair amount, but minutes Curry's played 1,021, Ja 1,186. Whereas if we go back to the front court discussion, yeah. Zion's played 29 out of 45, 956 minutes. Markin and Sabonis have both played over 1400 minutes. So they've got a four to 500 minute lead over right. Zion. So the gap in minutes played, not just games is a lot bigger 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what I want to do with that. Look, Sabonis is on what is currently a top three team in the West. Go Kings. Uh, how about that? Um, light the beam, baby. <laughs> light the beam. There were, there were, there were light the beam chants at uh, I love it. At Great. Staples Center Good last for them. Good for them. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Mark. Markinen's got the better overall stats than Sabonis, but the yeah. Kings have the better record than the Jazz. The you know Utah's kind of cooled off a little. Zion's the biggest star of the three, just in terms of what we think of as a star, you know, yeah. marquee value. So it's, I, I think it's 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 tough. Um, it's it's tough. I think I'm leaning Zion there, and I think I'm going to go Curry over Morant. Um, by the way, other quick footnote on this: this is a tough process, and this is despite the fact that. Kawhi and Paul George are really not in the running because of games missed or yeah. Anthony Davis or Carl Anthony Towns. Gobert has just not been an all-star this year. So he, you know, not he good. was a, yeah. you know, a fixture for however many years. Um, yeah. No Draymond because the Warriors are having a down year. No Brandon Ingram because he's hurt. Probably no Jaron Jackson Jr. in this discussion because he missed too many games. Although, yeah, you know, I mean, I think he's, I wouldn't say a lock, but, you know, he's going to get some hardware at the end of the year. We don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, you know he could, mean? probably on an all NBA team, defensive player of the year, defensive perhaps. Of the uh, year. Yeah, he's yeah. he's going to get some stuff. There'll right. be some stuff in his in his in his uh, trophy cabinet. Right. Um. So no, not feeling bad at all there. But just interesting to 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 think about how many spots um were were almost vacated sure. or just guys who were not in the discussion. Right, and that happens every year, though. You yeah. know, I mean, there's always injuries to, to key guys. I mean, yeah. I think Stan Stan Van Gundy tweeted it the other day, like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. When they're in the '90s, when you and I first started, teams had two assistant coaches and one trainer, yeah. and everybody played every game, you know. And now they do everything possible. They have teams of assistants and teams of medical staff and the high the high tech and everything. And people are missing more games than ever because of injury. Yeah. yeah. So what is it then? <laughs> what, what have we accomplished with yeah. all these with these training staff of of thirty people? I don't right. know. And, and, you know, t- designated rest, and you know, I mean, all of the things that they're trying to do, yeah. and guys still get hurt. So, yeah. you know, yeah. maybe we should go back to John Lally being the one trainer and <laughs> Gary Vitti and a bunch of tape. Let's and go. A bunch of tape. Just lots of tape. <laughs> lots of tape. Dispense with all the machines, all the high tech, everything. Just tape. We just need more right. tape. I remember. Um, I gotta say this one time. Yeah. John Lally just passed away a couple of years ago. He was a trainer for the Bullets forever. So when I was covering them, one day they listed Liddell Eccles as out for the next game. And I went to Lally and I said, what's wrong with him? See, this is how long ago. You could actually just go to the trainer and ask them. And they would talk and nobody would like castigate them for talking. And I said, what's wrong with Liddell? And he said he has a slightly, 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 slightly sprained ankle. I hope you quoted that. I want to see like all seven, all seven, absolutely sli- all seven slightlys. If I do a Nexus search on slightly, comma, slightly, comma, slightly yes, seven times. it's in there. Go look it up. It's in there. I'm, I'm definitely looking that up later. <laughs> uh, all right. The Eastern Conference. Um, once again, I have four locks and this time it's four lock locks and yeah. one spot up for grabs. Absolute lock to me that the backcourt should be Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brown with all uh, due respect to all the Kyrie fans who have yeah. made him... Right. A, uh, a a runaway um, leader yeah, yeah. among the guards in the East. But Jalen Brown's having the better season. Jalen Brown's played more games. Jalen Brown has not uh, posted anti-Semitic films uh, anytime recently that I'm aware of. Um, that aside, actually, just Jalen Brown's play this season, period. Mm-hmm. And the Celtics being the best team in the East. Yeah, like I, I think it's clear it's, it's it's him over Kyrie and Donovan Mitchell. It's you know no one's arguing that. Um, the front court. 
Kevin Durant has missed four games so far. It feels like he's been out forever, but it's only four games. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kevin Durant was having an MVP caliber season before Absolutely. he went down. Whether he will be eligible or available for the game or not, based on his health, we don't know. But as of right now, is he a deserving, uh, you know, one to vote for, period, uh, until yeah. further notice? Yes. Yeah. Jason Tatum, absolutely. But man, DA, this last front court spot is basically Joel Embiid versus Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. And, yeah. and these latest ballot returns, I th- almost just made it harder because I don't, I, Giannis was not in the lead before it was Durant. Uh, if I recall. And and Giannis yeah. is now the lead vote getter in the East of, among all players at, at, at all positions with almost, almost 6 million votes. Um, but I actually was looking at this this morning and I feel like Embiid has actually got the slightly, slightly, slightly stronger case. Um, Embiid has played, they've games played are almost identical and minutes. Yeah. Embiid 33 games, Giannis 35. Embiid 1150 minutes, Giannis 1180. Almost identical there wins at one point you would have said bucks over sixers but the sixers are surging while the bucks have been kind of eh for a yeah. month or so yeah, and seven and eight in the last Mil- 15 i think yeah milwaukee's a half game up on philly yeah it's like yeah. you can't say well based on winning um yeah. and the sixers are surging their two point percentage is actually literally identical but Embiid shoots the three better he shoots free throws way better. And as a result, both his, his uh, true shooting percentage and his effective field goal percentages are, are much uh, bolder uh, than, than Giannis's. I think Embiid by a tiny bit has the better case, but the idea of leaving Giannis off my ballot feels criminal. Uh, yeah. I'm not, and, and by the way, we, we cannot move Tatum to guard for people no. who want to solve right, it that right, way. Right. No, he's um, point, yeah. And we know everybody that we've just mentioned is going to make it as a reserve. You know, whoever doesn't make it as a starter right. will make it as a reserve. The coaches will put them in. It won't be that. But you try to take seriously who's the most deserving of the starting slot. It's an honor. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely tortured by this one, but I think I've got Embiid by a hair over Giannis. I mean, this is the toughest one, I think, of of all the starting picks that we have to make. Um, I agree with you. I mean, I think Tatum, <clears throat> Tatum to me is first half MVP of the league. Um, so I don't. He's got to be on there. Yeah. And I agree with you. KD was playing out of his mind before he got hurt, and he and he hasn't been. He hasn't missed that many games. And we have to vote by Saturday, so you can only vote by what you have in front of you, not what's going to happen in the next three weeks. So. Um, so I, I agree with you that those two guys are locks and that it comes down to as from the starting standpoint, Giannis versus Embiid. Um, and it's a tough, tough call. Um, I'm not sure which way I'm going to go right now. I mean, it's a tough call. They're both deserving. Their, their teams are pretty equal, um, in terms of the record. Um, and Embiid, and they both are so impactful to winning to their teams winning, um, it's it's a tough call, and I don't have an answer for you. I can't give you an answer right now because I'll change my mind seven times between now and the time I vote. So it'll be one of those two, and it's really close, and it's really tough. My lean is Embiid, but that doesn't mean I'm going to pick him. It just is my lean right now. Um, so that's that's the tough one to me. Um, you know, the backcourt. Uh, I think Jalen Brown should be deserves to be an all-star starter this year. So to me, it comes down to, uh, I think Jalen Brown's been terrific this year for Boston. So it comes down to Kyrie versus Donovan Mitchell. It's a, it, I think it's closer than, than maybe you do. I think Kyrie's played really well this year when he's played and we have to consider that um, and consider 
um, the fact that they had a really now part of that was Kyrie's fault. Don't get me wrong; they had a really bad start, like a horrendous start, and they have been white hot since then. And he's a part of the reason why. He's a big part of the reason why. So, Absolutely. Um, so I have to look at that and think about it. Um, right now, I probably would go with Donovan just because I think consistently from the beginning of the season he's been better. Um, because Kyrie was out for a while for different reasons, obviously. Um, and he missed some time early in the season. So um probably would be Donovan, but I'm not I'm not writing Kyrie off yet. I gotta, you know, I'll take a deeper dive here in the next day or two to kind of really kind of flesh that out. Yeah. It's funny because I really thought of it as Donovan Mitchell was the lock and it was Jalen versus Kyrie, but you're 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 right to say like you could Jalen could be the lock and it could be Donovan Mitchell I think versus it's Jay, Kyrie. Jalen Brown's yeah. been terrific this year. Like he, he has been outstanding for Boston this year to me. Yes. Um and so I think he absolutely deserves to be a lock as a starter. The tail of the tape on um I just ran it real quick on Stathead. Um Kyrie and Donovan Mitchell, if if it's if that's the choice. Um Mitchell's played 40 games to Kyrie's 32. And obviously, you know, the eight game difference is basically the equivalent of the suspension that he, that he served. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, he's responsible for that. And he's responsible right. for how long it was too. It, it, ex- it extended because of the way he handled it. So it, yeah. it is on him. It's not like this was, you know, some helpless situation. Right. In, right. Uh, minutes, it's a little less than 300 minutes more for Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell scores more. Mitchell also has the, the more primary role there, right? Like it's Durant's team and Kyrie's the second guy. Donovan Mitchell came into a team, granted with some stars on it, but he's the reason we're now talking about the Cavaliers as kind of like a dark horse in yeah, the East. Yeah, I, I would say, he, yeah, he certainly has been the the difference maker, I would, I would say this year, because Mobley has been kind of okay, but not didn't take that leap that I think no. everybody assumed he would take this year. But I think Darius, I think Garland's been phenomenal for them. Like he's been really and he's good. He's missed a bunch of games too, by the but way. But he's missed a lot of games too. Yeah. So Donovan Shirley is the catalyst yeah. for them taking that that next step up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I I think that counts for something too in all this. Yeah. Um so um I think if Kyrie had played a full first half season, it would be a much more difficult uh, yeah. just decision. Yeah. 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 Um so, all right, that's where I'm at. Uh, all right, before we go, a um, yeah. couple of things I want to throw at you real quick. You uh, are, of course, a uh, longtime resident of the district. I am. Can I call it the district? Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't sure if only people in the district can say the district, right? Like sometimes it's kind of like, okay. no, you're not qualified, sir. Excuse you me. Have a sir. Whole pass. sir by that. the way, sir, get out of my White House press room seat as well. <laughs> Let's get out of my seat. Damn New Yorkers. <laughs> said, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Mike Mamouli told you to get out of his seat. <laughs> I don't Mike, even know who it was. I just Mike heard this. Emily, some guy. Sir, right? sir, <laughs> sir. I look up over my shoulder. I'm like, oh, am I in your? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> drop, drop my head, grab my backpack, shuffle them up. You know. Slink away. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was cool being in there for a briefing, though. Yeah, like, no, I mean, it's great. Like, yeah, it was, was uh, it was That was wild. Um, Bradley Beal. Bradley yeah. Beal. I have only thought... 572,000 times in the last three, four, five years that he should have asked out or left as a free agent or not signed an extension or something. And um, he's still there. They're still Uh bad. Um, Mm -hmm. They still look like they have no particular trajectory of note. Um, And he's still there. Uh, Is Bradley Beal just a wizard for life? And is there some short, uh, sweet explanation for why the Wizards and Bradley Beal just can't quit each other? Um, You know... I would say at this point, I I think 
Bradley has kind of shown what he what he values, you know, and what he values. And it's it's not I'm not being critical of him. Believe me when I say this, what he values is the opportunity to be the focal point of an NBA franchise um, that it's the wizards. He can, he can do nothing about <laughs> um, because even if he went and demanded a trade, wherever he's traded, he's not going to be the focal point of that franchise. He is going to be, he would be traded to a team that is looking for a second or a third star. He knows that. So wherever he goes, it's not going to be quote unquote, his team. The wizards are for better or worse, his team. He also got a quarter of a billion dollars from that franchise. <laughs> so just in the most that, recent contract, not totally. Yeah, and that's you're right. And that's not nothing, by the yeah. way. So that matters too, as it would matter to you or me if we were in that position. <laughs> um, so I don't I don't castigate Bradley for that. I think it's almost kind of admirable because I think he understands that what that means that you know, in all likelihood, he's never going to be, or it's going to be a long time before he's on a team that is good enough to contend for a, for a championship. Um, but he feels a certain loyalty to the team because not only did they draft him in the first round, but they traded John Wall. They picked him over John Wall, you know, and they could have very easily gone the other way and waited for John Wall to get healthy. John Wall was beloved in this town, still is beloved in this town. Um, for a lot of different reasons, which we could go to an, into on another podcast, but um, and and the franchise picked him and said, We want to we want to keep you, we want to build around you going forward. Um, and I think he has a certain loyalty to that. I think he likes being in Washington, I think he likes the city, uh, likes the, the vibe of the city. Um, so I don't begrudge him that. I don't think it's what it's certainly not what most NBA players would do, but. Howard, I must tell you, I'm, I'm it, it, whether it was, whether it's, it, it was Washington or any other city, I kind of like the idea of a guy saying, you know what? I don't want to just be another, the third Beatle. I don't want that. I don't want to just be, all due respect to Chris Bosch. Cause he got two rings out of the deal, but he went to Miami to win a ring. Okay. But you know, you were the guy in Toronto and they would have kept being the guy in Toronto, you know, but you didn't want to be the guy on a mediocre team. Fine. But I think it's refreshing that there's at least one guy in the NBA that says, you know what? I would rather just try to make this work here where I am and try to make this team the best possible version of itself. And it's taking way too long. We all agree on that for a bunch of different reasons, but um, I'm not, I'm not going to kill Bradley Beal for not, having wanderlust like yeah. every other player in the NBA has the minute things start going, things start getting tough where they are. Oh, get me out of here. You know, I'm going to get fat. So they have to trade me, you know, like that's, yeah. I, I, what's, is that admirable? Like not to me, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, um, so I'm just not going to play. I'm just going to not play at my best until they trade me. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to, what is they, what do they call it when, when, when cop the blue flu, I'm just going to kind of not do my job until you give me what I want. Yeah. I don't think that's especially admirable. So, you know, as, as much as it's kind of easy to dunk on Bradley for not demanding a trade. I mean, I, I like that. There's one guy in the league that says, you know what? It's not easy being here and we're probably not going to win a title, but I like it here and I want to stay here. 
Well, there's at least two because Dame is, has pretty much done the same. I, I was just about to say there's yeah. uh, Damian Lillard's the same guy. And why can't we just enjoy those guys? Why can't we just say, hey, good for them that they want to stay there and and give those fans in those markets something to cheer about on occasion? You know, so I yeah. I just yeah, it, it's I, I'm, you know. I, I hope I would feel the same way if Brett was in any other city, but I know I feel that way about him here in Washington because it's just so easy for anybody not in Washington to say, why on earth would you stay there? It's awful there. Well, no, it's not awful here. It's a really nice city. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, and his money spends really good here. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's, uh, um, so it's, it is what it is. Um, it may come to it. Look, it could happen before this podcast drops that he could go in and say, get me out of here. That could happen. Um, but he's had so many opportunities to do that in the last three years, and he hasn't done it. At some point, I have to start taking him at his word that he doesn't want to do it. And I think we should. And I, I like you, I don't think we should necessarily uh, mock him for it. I, I I do wonder about it. I will I'll split the difference in that. Like, I'd never, I'm not going to condemn any player anywhere for for be, wanting to be wherever they want to be. Like, it's their life, it's their career. I have no problem with any of it. Um, and it's funny, too, because the conversation, the way it's changed over, the, over the, the years that you and I have covered this league, there was a time when the players wanting to bail out are the ones who are demonized for bailing out. Now we've almost inverted it right. where... We expect guys in a dead end situation to demand out, and if they don't, we we question their value system. Don't you want to win? Don't, don't you, you want to win? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's wrong with you? Oh, oh, oh! You just care about the money. Oh, you just care about. And so yes, we, I care about the quarter of a billion dollars. Yes, yes I do. <laughs> so, so it's it's become inverted where now we we are more praising the guys who want to leave and and, and team hop than the other. Now, granted, yeah. I, I say that as a general uh, premise, but obviously depends. That's all I have the beholder. Every fan, every media member has their own view of this. Right. Where I am on it in general is we should not assume too much after all that we've seen over the years. And certainly that you and I have seen covering this league. Don't assume that every player's value system is the same. Some are going to value winning over everything. Some are going to value the money over everything. Some are going to value comfort level, proximity to home, weather, where their family is. It's all, it's all these different things and they're all important and they're all pertinent and, and, yeah. And every player's got their own way of of sorting all of those factors. So I don't have a problem with it. I do think at some level, once you've got enough riches to last several lifetimes and for generations to come, yeah, you know, do you want to win? And I also just think I think of it more even through the Wizards' lens than through his. And they gave him a no trade, which means they've they've hamstrung themselves. But yeah. through their lens, it's like you you you've gone as far as you can go in the Bradley Beal area. The Bradley Beal John Wall era, for what it's worth, even you'd max out at forty nine wins. You were never a deep playoff run team, and you're like as long as they're this invested in Beal at the price that he is because of the salary cap and all the other things that that this league uh, has right. as constraints. Yeah, you basically kind of decided you're not going to win. You're like or you're you or you've you've made it very 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 difficult to win at a high level unless you finally decide to to hit. The, the nuclear button, trade Beal, get everything you can for him and, and start a new era. And that's the part that has always puzzled me. But again, I, I back myself up and I say, but hold on. If you're the Wizards and you have a fan base that loves Bradley Beal and you've got a guy who wants to be there and has and is not asked out and you want to honor that, um, 
Maybe you're not going to win 50, 55 games or compete for a title, but you're going to be competitive and he's fun to watch. Like there's other factors that go into it. You got to sell tickets. Teardowns are hard. It's all easy for us to always say, blow it up, but someone's got to sell the season tickets still. Sure. sure. So I, I do moderate it a little bit, but at the end of the day, yeah, I still think both beyond the wizards would be better off if they did something different. Well, I think that ship has sailed. Like they should have, if they were going to do it, it should have yeah. done it three years ago after yeah. they traded Paul, they should have traded Beal too. I yeah. wrote that, yeah. um, you know, because that was the opportune time with a really bad team to to take take it all the way down and start over. And by now, you would have two or three or four yeah. really good young players that are that were on the ascension. But they didn't do that. And part of the reason is Ted Leonsis doesn't want to go down to the bottom. He famously said, "I will never, ever, ever tank." Um, whether that is out of some sort of, that's his philosophy, or he doesn't want to have five years of 5,000 people in his building every year. I get that. Like, I mean, could be both. Right. Um, but that's what he believes. And so as long as they have Beal, they know they're never going to be a 15 win team. Now that, that that's he's him by himself means they're not going to be a 50 win team either. But I think, Ted Leonsis is comfortable with them being what they are, which is a team that has a chance to get into the playoffs, has a chance to maybe win a round, but it's it's a real long shot. They'd have to have a lot of things go right. But more realistically, is a is a playoff contending team. And I would I would posit that when they have Beal and Porzingis and Kuzma on the floor together, they've been pretty decent. You know, like they've been okay. Um they haven't had him on the floor mainly because Beal's been hurt, you know, a lot of the season. Um, but I, I get, I mean, I don't agree with it. I think you have to, I don't think, I don't think you can win a title this way. Yeah. And to me, winning a title should be important. And especially this is the argument I make Howard, especially in the city where the team hasn't won 50 games, literally in 40 years, <laughs> the last team that won 50 games in Washington was in 1979. <laughs> like, like, wow. and they act like 50 wins is some sort of mystical Valhalla around here. Like, <laughs> oh my God, we, if we could only win 50 games. And, the, you know, and I always say, you know, the Spurs and the Mavericks and, and teams like that, like, they were like, 50 games? What is that? That doesn't mean anything. What are you talking about? Spurs like, did that like that 20 years in a row or something, thing? didn't they? You know? <laughs> Yeah. Whereas they would have they would have a parade for this team if they ever won 50 games in Washington. So um, it's it's they have a very odd way of approaching roster construction and just kind of roster philosophy and franchise philosophy, yeah. um, because I just don't know, especially a, a team with that history can just kind of meander from year to year and hope to get into the playoffs I just don't think serves your fan base very well, but they don't listen to me. In fact, they yell at me <laughs> when I write that stuff. <laughs> and they haven't drafted very well of late either. Um, so they have not. That's a problem. <laughs> uh, best best guess. Couple quick ones before I let you go. Best guess. Kyle Kuzma is where on February tenth? I think he's in Washington. I think they're going to re-sign him. I mean, I you know, it, I think our guy, I think Shams said yesterday and Josh Robbins that they're trying to trade Hachimura. And the reason they would do that is so they don't have to give Hachimura an extension and they can use that money to give Kuzman an extension. Now, yeah. the question is, what's the price point? If the price point is John Collins's contract, I could live with that. I could live with that. $25 million a year for Kyle Kuzma. 
I could live with that. Um, but if it's anything north of that, I would that would be problematic to me, especially with Beale's numbers, which are going to be astronomical the next four years. How sure are we that Kuzma wants to stay? I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know. Because um, that's the gamble I, that they're taking if they keep yeah, it. They don't yeah. I know this. Kyle likes being likes the role he has here, which is take whatever shot you want. Basically, you know, you're going to get to handle the ball a lot and make decisions with it. And you're going to be a legit, you're not going to just stand in the corner. He does not want to stand in the corner. He did that in LA with LeBron. Um, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to this role that he's got now, but again, does he want to do it on the East coast? I don't know. Does he want to do it on a team? That's not a title contender. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I know he wants to be someplace where he has this role. Um, which is kind of like, you know, a 1A or a 2, whatever you want to call it, but a legit guy, a real part of, of the team in terms of its offensive philosophy and how many teams are going to have the cap room and or role for him to be able to do that next summer. It's not as many as you think, yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's where I kind of wonder, like in a perfect world, if if let's let's say if the Warriors move on from Draymond, would he want to go play in Golden State with with Steph and Clay? I mean, probably, right? Like, probably. But would he have, would, would he be able to do the things there that he can do here? No, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he wouldn't. So that's that's where I'm not sure the 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 obvious fits that fans say are out there aren't obvious if you really look at it, if you really yeah. know about it. So. Well, it goes back to what I was saying earlier too, right? Like every player values different things. And sometimes it's, it's, it's the role that you value and maybe it's just more fun. Even if you're not winning at the highest level, you know, you're going to get to do what you love to do on the court and make good money doing it and live in a city that you love. Like it, it, the value system changes from player to player, situation to situation. It changes, uh, changes year to year from players. I mean, sure. players evolve at different yeah. points of their career. Different things are important to them. So does Beal finish his career with the Wizards? <sighs> On that one, I'm going to say no. I think Bradley eventually will get to the point where just for the sake of curiosity, he'd like to know what it's like to be on a really good team. Yeah. As much as he loves, I, I don't love is not the right word, as much as he really enjoys being here in Washington, and I think he does. I do think at some point, he is a competitive guy. He does hate to lose. Um he would like to be on a team that really has a chance. So I see it. I think there's a Drew holiday kind of arc to his career hmm. where he's just kind of like thought of, Oh yeah, he's a pretty good player, but he's not great. Right. But all of a sudden he's on a team with a great player and everybody goes, Oh boy, Drew holiday. What a, what a revelation, <laughs> you know? And so Bradley, I think has that similar arc to me. So I think maybe in a couple more years I could see him and I could see the wizard saying, you know what? You've been a loyal guy to us. We're going to do right by you. And we're going to try to get you to a team that has a chance, a real chance. I yeah. could see that. Bradley Beal to the Mavericks in 2025. There we go. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Not enough touches. Unless it's to Luka, which I don't think it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, there's there's a whole other question. Where's Luka in two years, three years? Well, uh, yeah, uh, I think he's in Dallas. I think Luka's – I think he's – yeah, I don't – I can't see – I mean, if Mark Cuban loses a guy because of money, I don't know, you know. Well, he won't lose him because of money. Like, the the question would be whether or not Luca does the I'm fed up with the situation thing. Like, they yeah. haven't, you know, like, it's a, it's a similar. You mean they haven't done quite enough for Luca to be at this point in his career? Help-wise. Help wise. <laughs> they let Jalen Brunson walk. 
<laughs> yeah, well, you know, maybe it's because he didn't want another guy handling the ball, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, there's there's a whole other discussion there about how much Luca is creating the dynamic that makes it difficult. But uh, yeah, that's a whole other pod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, DA, this has been great, man. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you for the time as always. And of course, folks, uh, check out all DA's stuff in The Athletic. Um, and the podcast too. Uh, you and Marcus Thompson every, every Tuesday. It dro- well, we tape on Tuesday. It drops Wednesdays. on Wednesdays. We have different people on talking about the league and all kinds of stuff going on. We've had Howard Beck on many times. He's that guy. No one's listening to that. That's with his presence. Yeah, it's a pretty fun show. We we love doing it. No, uh, I love doing it with you guys. It's it's a it's a it's a blast. You guys do a great show. Um, yeah, this has been great, man. Next time I come to DC, maybe I'll even like let you know ahead of time. Let and, me know. And, uh, we'll grab some lunch. Absolutely, we'd love yeah. to. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. All right, man. Okay, that's it for today's show. My thanks again to David Aldridge. Thanks to our producer, Shelby Royston. And thank you all for listening. Remember, you can hear Chris Mannix and me every Tuesday on The Crossover with all the latest NBA chatter. And then on Fridays, it's me and a guest. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to The Crossover wherever you get your podcasts. And hit me with all your feedback on Twitter at Howard Beck. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. 